of you, of us know that we didn't get here by ourselves, of our own volition, of our own will. We didn't will ourselves to be saved. We didn't. We didn't get here without the Lord. And the Bible says that no man comes to Him except He draws them. So none of us could come to an altar of repentance, whether we were raised in church or not, without the Lord drawing us first. And so we owe all that we are and we have today to Him. We really do. Amen. Just imagine where you would be right now. Just go in your own mind right now and just think about if you hadn't come to know the Lord in the way that you do, where would you be right now? I think about stuff like this a lot. I mean, I don't dwell on it, but I think about it a lot. Where, you know, I go back home and I hang around, I get to be around people that I haven't seen in a while, and I see some places that I used to go hang out at when I wasn't in church. And I, and I think about where would where would I be? What would I be doing right now? Where would I be without the Lord? You know, it almost sounds cliche sometimes, but where would we be, really? What would we be doing with our life? Would we even be here on this earth? Would we even be alive? Would we have done some foolish thing that would have caused our life to be snuffed out too early? And some of us were doing some pretty foolish things before we came to know who Jesus is. And so we just have to, I just wanted to stop and think, have us think about that this morning for just a minute, you know, to kind of get it in your in your thought process to start thinking about if it hadn't been for the Lord, we sing that song, if it had not been for the Lord by my side, tell me where would I be? Where would I be? Amen. God is so good. We don't we don't really give him credit enough credit sometimes. I think, um, you know, we we get in this thing after a while and we think we got it. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I got this. I've been doing this long enough. I got it. If I need you, I'll let you know. We don't say that out loud verbally, but sometimes our actions say that. So I don't ever want to get to the place where I feel like I don't need God right now. I got this. God, I, I know you filled me with the Holy Ghost. I know you baptized me in your name. I know that you drew me. But but now I've been doing this long enough, I think I got it down to a science and an art. And, and I, I, you know, if I need you, I'll call you because I know you're always there. All right? God forbid we ever get like that. Amen. Because you can go to the very last moment and fall away from God. God forbid that we would do that, but there's nothing, no guarantees till Jesus comes. So, you know, that's why this has to be something we do every day, like breathing. You know, it's in Him we live and move and have our being. I don't want to have to tell people that I'm apostolic. I don't want to have to tell people that I'm a Christian. I want them to have to tell me. I want them to notice the difference. And I, Don't you? I want it to be so evident in everything that I say and do that, that they can tell 
And they don't even know themselves for sure exactly what it's. But they know if, if somebody was to be one, it'd be you. Right? So, we, you know, I don't know why I said all that. That wasn't even in my brain till just now. So maybe that was from the Lord. So we're going to talk about the waterway, if you haven't figured that out already. <laughs> if you can't read English, <laughs> we're going to talk about the waterway. And what is the waterway? Well, we're going to get into that in the next few Sundays. And uh, if, the, if the Lord will help me and if the Lord will help you, we'll all get something out of this. Amen. So we're going to talk about four things, four subjects, uh, four little bullet points there that we're going to talk about is the necessity of water baptism, the symbol and mode of water baptism, the name to use in water baptism, and then the last one is going to be why the church must follow that pattern today. Amen. And so we're going to just dive right into this. And so uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is the necessity of water baptism. And if we could turn in our Bibles to the book of, uh, let, let's go with Matthew 28, 18 and 19 first. Since John comes after Matthew, we'll just go that way. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Some of you Bible scholars in here could quote that, right? If you've been in the apostolic way long enough, you could quote this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's, he, he had all authority, all dominion, all power, everything. He, was, he had all power. So he had to be the one true mighty God because there's only, there can only be one God. Can't be two. There can't be two sovereign beings. There can only be one. So if he had all power, he had to be God. Okay, next verse. Go ye. Everybody say, go ye. Therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. I know it doesn't say name in there, but it's implied. Because there's only one name of, of those three entities, right? And then uh, John chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he's talking to Nicodemus, who was one of the Pharisees, came to see him in the middle of the night, because he really believed what Jesus was saying, but he didn't want to let everybody, all of his buddies know that he was hungry and interested, so he came to him by night, because he had to know. He just had to know about what was going on with Jesus. And Jesus is answering him and saying, Verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him in his natural mind, trying to understand it with his brain and not with his spirit, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Natural. It's a perfect, perfectly le legitimate question because he was trying to understand it with his natural mind. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unto thee, except a man be born of water, everybody say water, and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And there's two other instances of this same thing that are mentioned in the book of Luke, 
24, 44 through 49, and Mark 15, 16, 15 through 16. We won't read those right now, but but we want to kind of dive into this whole concept and this this idea of the waterway. What is what is it about this waterway that that we can't just cover in five minutes and be done with it? There were there's a whole lot to it, a whole lot more than we realize. And so yes, we know that water baptism was commanded by Jesus. Everybody in this room would agree, right? In at least two instances, we know that. So it was commanded by Jesus. And God made sure that it was recorded so that us, sinful humanity, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Bible says, whomsoever will, would have no doubt or excuse. Because if you, if you understand what this book says, and if you can read, it, it pretty simply lays it out there. He tells Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. That's pretty simple. You don't need to have a Bible college degree to understand that. It's fairly simple. And the Lord made sure that he put this in there very simply so that anybody could understand it because he did say that this was to whomsoever will. Let him come. I'm not going to hold anybody back. I'm not going to be a respecter of persons. I'm not going to say this one can and this one can't. It's to whomsoever will. He opened it up to the Gentiles. He opened it up to the Samaritans. He opened it up to whomsoever will. He opened it up to the drunkard and to the drug abuser and to the child molester and and to the prostitute and to the homosexual. He opened it up to whomsoever will. And those things aren't new today. That, that stuff was going on in different forms back in the day, so nothing's going to get past Jesus, okay? So he, this is available, this waterway is available to whomsoever will. And so he, he made sure and put it in his word so we would have no doubt. And when, when, when God gave the revelation to me of the, of the, the necessity of water baptism in Jesus' name, there was no doubt in my mind at that moment. I said, I was just like that Ethiopian guy. There's, there's some water out there. Let's go do it. Let's go out there. Let's go to the East China Sea. Let's get it done before I change my mind. Right? There was, no, there was not going to be any change in my mind. All right? I knew I needed to have it done. So we know that it was practiced in the early church. We can read that. Once again, God recorded it for us in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 38. We won't read that. Let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 9. There's several places in the New Testament where it is recorded. And it's recorded there for a reason. Acts 8, verse 9, But there were certain men called Simon, which before time the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least uh, to the greatest, saying that this man is a great power of God. They thought he was, because he could do these powerful and awesome things. And to him they had regard, because that he had long time had bewitched them with sorceries. 
But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So in all of Simon's sorcery and magic, nothing apparently could compare to the experience that he witnessed for himself with somebody being baptized in Jesus' name. And he, it was so profound, apparently, that he even said, hey, I'm going to put down my, 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 my wizard stick and all this stuff, and I'm going to, I got to have, I got to have that. And we know stories today of witch doctors and all kinds of people in foreign countries that have walked away from their, their incantations and all those things and been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. There's something to this waterway that we're talking about today. There really is. Acts chapter 10, just a couple pages over, verse 44. Through 48, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. This is where the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. And when they had circumcised, they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him tarry there certain days. That's talking about Nicodemus and his whole household. He believed it so strongly that when Peter, when God told him to send for Peter, he didn't just keep it to himself. He invited all of his friends, his neighbors, his servants, their friends and their neighbors, and he had a house full. And those kind of guys didn't have a small house, so he filled the place up with people. Okay? Yeah. Acts 19, verse 1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, And unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so we have three examples of here. Just these three examples, to me, are enough to prove to me that the way to be baptized is in Jesus' name, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so it's recorded. And so we know that also that it was a simple act of faith and obedience. And it was a very specific, it had a very specific and divine purpose. It wasn't just some random thing that Jesus thought up. But it had a very specific and divine purpose. And, and he actually, this whole concept was actually laid out in the Bible centuries before this day that that we're talking about here in the book of acts 
And so, with all that being said, we know that all this is true and well documented through the actual lives of people, both then and now, as well as those that will be added in the future. But, before we can talk about baptism, which is deliverance by water, right? Right? We need to discuss the steps that led Noah and then Israel to experience it and what it takes to lead lost mankind to need to to the need for and participation in it. So you see, the, this water way that we talk about wasn't just something that was instituted in the New Testament. It was something that God had a pattern that involved using water from the very beginning of time all the way back to Noah's day. All right? And so back in that day, there was gross wickedness. Kind of sounds like our day today. <laughs> There was gross wickedness on the earth when God directed Noah to build an ark or a ship for the deliverance and safety of those of whom in that day that trusted in God, that trusted the God that they couldn't see and that they really couldn't hear. They had to trust that Noah was hearing from him. And so they, 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 they were instructed to build a ship for the saving of those that believed. And sadly, there was only eight people, the Bible says, that were saved by water. Eight souls that, that were saved by water. And, and we won't go there in Genesis, but in Genesis chapter 6, it talks about... Yeah, let's go ahead and go there, actually. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. Why not go there? I tell you, when a lot of the revelation came to me was when I actually opened the book and read the words out loud for myself. When it wasn't somebody telling it to me, but I actually saw it for myself. Anybody ever experienced that before besides me? You've heard it and heard it and heard it, but when you saw it and read it for yourself and you went, wow, that's really in this book. That preacher didn't just say it. It's in the book. Right? Matthew 6, 13. Or excuse me, yep, Genesis six thirteen and and Canaan lived after he began. Oh, I'm in verse five. I'm sorry, same page. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth and then we're going to skip down to verse 17 it says and behold i even i do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life for under heaven from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die but with thee shall i establish my covenant and thou shalt come to the into the ark thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons wives with thee and every living thing of all flesh, two of every, and so on and so forth. And so God used the concept of water in the very beginning as a way of bringing about deliverance and salvation to people that wanted to believe and trust and obey Him. And it's no different today. The same water, think about this, that same water, that same rain, and you know, it didn't matter 
whether people believed in God or not. It didn't matter if they believed in rain or not. It didn't matter if they believed there could ever be a flood or not where they lived up high up on that mountain. It didn't matter. God was still God, and it was still going to happen, right? So it doesn't matter if we believe in this waterway or not. If it's right, it's right. And so that same water that delivered those eight people, that same water destroyed the rest of the earth, destroyed all mankind and all animals, all those except for those that were on the ark. And as I said, it didn't matter what they believed. They had the opportunity to believe that there was a God that was speaking to a man, and they had the opportunity to make a choice and a decision, and they made their decision. They made their decision. And so they chose not to go the waterway. God already had a divine plan and pattern that he was following. The baptism that we know of today would be revealed in due time. Amen? God's plan absolutely included human agency or human involvement. He needed and required man's faith and man's obedience to activate his plan. God didn't just just magically make an ark appear out of thin air for Noah and his family to get on and to be saved by water. He didn't make it easy, did he? He made them work. He required the hands of the creation that he was trying. See, this kind of all started with Adam and Eve, didn't it? When, when they lost their relationship with, with God, they, they marred their relationship by disobeying God and rebelling against God, didn't they? Because he told Adam, and she, he tried to blame her and all that, but he told Adam what tree to eat of, what tree not to eat of. And all he had to do was obey. All he had to do was obey. But he didn't. Not only did he disobey, but he rebelled. He did what he wanted to do. And he used whatever excuse he could use to get it. He just had to have a bite of that apple or whatever it was. I like peaches. I think it was a peach. But you think about it, even before that, Satan, who was cast down from, from heaven, it's the same spirit, isn't it? Satan didn't like the fact that God was in charge, that God got to make all the decisions. And he was that, that angel, and he just wanted to just, just let me make a couple of decisions. And he didn't get to, and so he rebelled. And he stepped outside of the boundaries of what the realm of where he belonged, and he got what was coming to him, right? And so the same thing, same spirit in Adam, same spirit, because where, who was involved in that whole process? The enemy, that same enemy, that deceiver. And so he's not going to ever stop trying to deceive us, is he? No. So he required absolute human agency he required us to be involved we have to be involved in our own salvation he's not just going to make you come to the altar of repentance he's not just going to make you be baptized in jesus name he didn't just give noah a boat to, to float away on noah had to work 
He had to work hard, and he had to work for a long time. And his sons and his wives and, and their wives and all these things, they had to work for their own salvation. And so we don't have salvation by works necessarily, but it takes a work of a step of faith, which Noah had to do. He had to step out on faith. He had to believe that he was hearing from God in a world that where he and his family were the only ones that... You ever, anybody ever feel like you're the only one that believes this way? Like you're just in this little cloister and we're, we're just, there's just nobody else. So it's like that prophet that told God, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, you're not the only one left. I got 10,000 over here. Don't worry about it. I got this. And so Noah had to believe that he was hearing from God. With all the critics and all the, the mocking, he went through that for how long did it take him to build that ark? A long time. I don't know how long. But it was a long time, years. He had to endure all the mocking and the cruelty and all the things that he had to deal with. There's never going to be any rain. I've never even heard of rain. You're just, Noah, what are you doing? You're crazy. You're, you're keeping your kids away from all the fun stuff and all this. And, da, 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 da. and he went through all that stuff. Same kind of stuff we hear sometimes. Right? But Noah endured because he knew. He heard from God. And he knew when God said there was a flood coming, I better start building that ark he told me to build because God not only told him to build it, but he gave him the pattern. He told him what kind of wood to use. He told him every detail. And Noah did it. Exactly the way God, exactly the way God, exactly the way God said it. Not his own way. He didn't cut corners over here and, you know, all that kind of stuff. He did it exactly even if it didn't make sense. He did it exactly the way. We got to do it exactly the way God says it. Just like Noah, God chose a man named Moses to pass on his plan and his will to mankind. See, God, even to this day, God uses us as human agency. He uses us as men and women and people of God to, to keep this thing going, to keep the ball rolling, to keep the train moving down the tracks. He does that. He won't, he can't, and he won't fulfill his plan without our involvement, right? The farmer can't go harvest the field by himself. That's why he put that story in the Bible about that guy going through town and picking out those workers and saying, why are you sitting idle? I need you to get out there in the field. The harvest is great. Get out there and start harvesting. He needs us. And the, the whole point of all this, I guess, is he's trying to put our relationship with him back together. Because we lost that with Adam, didn't we? Moses was given a specific pattern for the people so that they could could turn to God because of their sinfulness and could have a way of commuting their sentences of death from year to year. You know, they do that today. They commute the sentences of somebody. The president might give them a pardon. Then they get their sentence commuted so that they don't have to go through their sentence anymore. It gets passed down. And so that's what the people of Israel were doing. They had, to, they had to get these animals, and they had to keep that animal clean through the whole year, and they had to sacrifice that innocent lamb for their sinful ways. Well, 
Now, you think that after a couple of years, they would figure it out and they would quit sinning, right? Why did they not? Does anybody besides me ever think of stuff like this? I mean, they went for years and decades doing this. And they kept on having to go back to the to, to the the brazen altar and the brazen labor. They had to keep bringing an animal every year for a sacrifice for sin. Why did they keep sinning? Anybody have an idea? Anybody? Speak up. Well, you know, it's kind of like King David said in Psalms 51, verse 1 through 5. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Which I find interesting that iniquity and sin are separate. So iniquity must be something else. Probably rebellion. That's what I think. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and clear when thou judgest. And verse 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Where did that come from? Where Where did that come from? What does he mean? He's talking about the sin of Adam. For that sin, that sin nature passed on to all men. And that means you and me too. So we have that same Adamic, they call it sin nature. Does it ever go away? No, flesh don't. Not unless you die. That's the only way flesh is going to go away. So, you know, it's it's just interesting to me. The pattern of the people had to keep going back to, you know, we don't have to keep going back and getting baptized in Jesus' name, right? But we're still subject to like passions. Jesus said, I'm subject to like passions yet without sin. He was the only sinless person in the world. He wasn't telling us we could be sinless, but he was just telling us, I understand, I feel the passions that you feel. I know the things you struggle with. The enemy is not going to leave us, especially those of us that are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants to make us a trophy of hell. He does. And he is going to try every which way but loose to try to get us to rebel and to disobey what this book says. Even though we have been baptized in Jesus' name, even though we went through the water, you know, the people of Israel, the Bible says that they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. Right? What's that talking about? Going through the Red Sea, right? The cloud followed them by day and the pillar of fire by night, and they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea, the Bible says. They went through a water baptism, if you will. They had water again was involved in deliverance of God's people. And with all that deliverance from all that bondage, 
And they get on the other side of it, and what do they do? They start falling right back into the same old mess. Well, we should be back in Egypt eating leeks and onions. It'd be better than being here where we are. Isn't that what they said? Like, why would you say that? You just watch the waters part. You just how could you not how could you forget what God's done in your life? And we're the same way. We we start taking our ease in Zion and we start forgetting about the great things that God's done in our life. Sister Bell, it was a great thing when God saved and delivered me. It really was. I'm not going to tell my story, but I mean you you've heard others and it was I was whew. It had to be God for me to come to this. It had to be God to get me out of all that stuff. And God was merciful. He let me lay parts of that down as I came along before I actually got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I I kind of tell the story wrong sometimes, and I say I did it, but I know really he did it. <laughs> he put it in my heart. He was bringing me along. He put it in my heart. In 1985 to say, you know what? I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. And against the better judgment of my friends and everything, he's, I said, I, I, this is something i got to do. And he, he, did, he did all that. He took, he took that desire for cigarettes away from me, literally, overnight. But he had, I had to be willing to say, okay, God, I can't do this. you got to do it. What's that got to do with water baptism? Praise God. So we have this sin nature, David said. We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. We have the propensity to sin, don't we? If I don't, and I'm going back to what I was saying earlier about maintaining that lifestyle, that walking, not just, you know, the Bible says in John chapter 15, says, If you abide in me, and my word abide in you. Now, when I read that word abide, I don't, I don't, to me, I don't think that just means memorizing. When something abides in you, it becomes a part of who you are. This word has to be a part of who we are. That it's so intrinsically, it's so a part of us that we don't even have to think about it. But we do. I have to get up every day and say, I have to proclaim it. God, I'm yours today. In you, I live and move and have my being. I didn't even get to breathe last night unless you allowed it. You saved me. You delivered me. You're the one that put your name on me. You're the one that called me. And so I'm going to walk where you're going today, and I'm going to do what you're doing today. I have to proclaim that every day. You might not have to, but I do. And I make this a part of who I am every day. And it, it, becomes to, it comes to the point where it really doesn't become effort after a while, doesn't it? A little bit. You just you just start, I don't want to use the word getting used to, but you get used to living a certain way after a while. And it becomes, I don't know if I want to use the word habit either, but it becomes a habit. It becomes who you are. And I don't have to think about it anymore, but I still wake up every day and make, I have to make up my mind every day. I'm yours. 
I belong to you. I don't belong to me. Use me however you want to use me. Tell me what to say. Because I have to realize and I have to know based on what this book says that there's this sin nature in me that the devil is going to try every which way he can to try to get me to falter and to fail. Okay? I mean, we've had, there's been over the years, over the decades, preachers that have walked away from pulpits and just went right back out in the world. And how does that happen? How does that happen? I don't know. Maybe they quit praying. I don't know. But I, I can't stop doing those things. Because there was a waterway. There was a deliverance in my life one day when I came up out of, out of some old salt water in the East China Sea and something was, it wasn't the water. It wasn't, it was, it was God doing something through my obedience and faith. That water, something, it wasn't the water, it was the act of obedience and faith. But I had to go through water just like Naaman did. I don't understand why I got to go down seven times in that muddy Jordan River. And you don't think there's significance to stuff in the Bible? What was the name of the river where Jesus was baptized by John? Same river. I, I, it would almost blow my mind to find out if it was the same exact spot. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? God could do that. Right? But it was the same river. God was sending a message in the Old Testament about what was to come. He was opening a door. And I'm probably getting way ahead of myself. <clears throat> Psalm 51 and 5 in the Amplified Bible says, Behold, I was brought forth in a state of iniquity, rebelliousness, wanting to have my own way. Some of that stuff I added. My mother was sinful who conceived me, and I too am sinful. And so we, we, we never want to forget God delivered us from the ability of sin to, to, to continue to dictate to our life, right? He gave us power to live above that. Amen? Those tribes in Israel that had to bring those sacrificial animals every year, they had to first acknowledge that they were sinful and that they had sinned. Before they could, I mean, they could be keeping the animal, but they had to stand before that gate as, with the representative and say, we've sinned, and this is, our, this is our sin sacrifice. And they had to lay their hands on it and transfer, and transfer all their sins for another year. Thank God he brought, in us, brought us a waterway where we don't have to do that anymore. So this whole concept of being delivered by water and baptism and cleansing and all these things started in the mind of God, didn't it? Because God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who knows all things past, present, future, who knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the ending, he knew that we were going to fall, that Adam was going to fall, and that, that nature was going to be passed on to all mankind. He knew. And he all he wanted was just a to give us a way to put that relationship back together with him through our choice. Just like he gave those people in Noah's day a choice, we have a, a choice. Once we hear this truth preached, we've got a choice to make. Are we not his chosen people today? 
Bible says we are. First Peter 2 and 9 says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're the people. Right? So this baptism that we were our partakers of today was concealed in the Old Testament. You know, they had the brazen labor and the brazen altar where they repented. That was the symbol of repentance. That brazen altar where they tied the animal down to the four corners of, of the tabernacle and that, that fire was burning and it, it burned up everything that was there that was flesh and all that stuff. And that's what happens when we repent. We burn all that stuff up. We just lay all that aside and we just say, I'm yours. And then that, that brazen labor that was made of brass and that brass stood for judgment. God's judgment and then our judgment. Because the Bible says, examine yourself, right? And so really, that's what we had to do when we came to this water way. When we, made, we came to that decision where we said, you know, I've got to get in that water up there. I've got to be baptized. We had to come to a decision, didn't we? Didn't we? Right? Where we, we were faced with, okay, here I am, and I've got this knowledge, and I know that this is what I need, and and if I don't do it, this is going to be the consequences. If I do do it, this is going to be the consequences. So we had to, we had to look at ourselves in that mirror, that that pool, that brazen labor was like a just a a big pool, like a I don't know, like a pool, and the water was just very clear and still, and so you could see yourself in it. Now I've heard that said that they it was mirrored on the bottom, so you could see yourself. And so that's what the Lord wants us to do is to look into our own life. He already sees what our life looks like. He wants us to look into our own life and see, I need, I need God. I need this. I need this water. Just like that Ethiopian eunuch that told Philip, hey, thank you for opening my eyes. Sometimes we're going to have opportunities to minister to people that think they know what the Bible says and they, they just need somebody to come along and just open their eyes more fully to the truth. And when they see it, it's like that young lady. I keep thinking about that story over and over again, Brother Parker. I see it. I see it. I see it. I mean, if you've never experienced that before, you need to be teaching a home Bible study. I'm going to put a plug in for that right now. And you need to, you need to be able to bring somebody to that place where they stop you in the middle of a calm Bible study and say, I see it. They jump up. You just need to experience that. I mean, if you haven't been there yourself, you need to see somebody. It's just amazing to watch when God brings the light and just brings the revelation. Right? Praise God. Well, I'm just going to kind of bring this to a close. This didn't go any way, shape, manner, or form like my notes said. But I hope this was, I was trying to flow with what the way God wanted me to speak today. And he's been giving this to me all through, even on my vacation. I was spending a lot of time, I had a lot of time to spend in prayer away. You know, the people I was staying with had to go to work and stuff. So we, I just had a lot of time to think about and meditate on, on these things. And so uh, I just hope that I've been able to bless somebody with this today. And we'll pick up with the next one on next Sunday. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be before your people today.
Thank you for this opportunity to be a blessing. Thank you for your word. I thank you for this place. I thank you for your people. Pray your blessing upon them, Lord Jesus, and the remainder of this service that you would mightily use this pastor to preach and to minister to us today. Lord, as we go on this break, we pray your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.